closing, may I tell you who are listening? You can tell if your name is on the, or you can tell if your name is on a birth certificate, but not on the devil's most wanted. The proof is in the pudding, pudding, P-U-T-T-I-N-G. When money becomes a god, when entertainment becomes an idol, when movie stars start being worshipped, when criminals are made into heroes, sexual vice and perversion is uplifting and greed dominates the land, while sin dominates and infiltrates the soul. That means your name is not on the list. The devil's most wanted reminds us that we live in a COVID pandemic that killed over 500,000 Americans. That other guy, you know him, he called it a hoax, that it will soon disappear. Much like Pharaoh, the plague won't be a reality to him until he comes to his address, takes all of his millions, imprison him like Joseph, and affects his family like he's done so many others. But those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that feels know that perilous times are not coming. They're already here. But we live in a generation where students run the school, children run homes, criminals run the prisons, political mafia and gangs run the inner cities, and the ungodly try to run the churches. The devil's most wanted list is real because babysitters have replaced parents. Computers and smartphones have replaced the use of one's brain. Feelings have replaced faith. Television and remote control have replaced the family altar and family prayer. And hard times, hard work has been replaced by get-rich schemes. The Bible teaches us to believe in the Son of God and don't be a son of Sceva. Are you on the devil's hit list? May God bless you and keep you. Amen and amen. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 13 through 17. Wonderful story. I hope you inspire it. Let us pray, gracious God, heaven. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the people who are listening. We thank you that you have made, you sent to us miracle after miracle, wonder after wonder. You blessed this ministry and we are so grateful. We pray that you would strengthen us to give us a listening heart to understand your word and a mind to obey. Send us your favor, O oh God. Send us your favor. Faith allocates victory over the reality and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 17. Pray with me as we walk through the word together. For a subject I want to talk about, on the devil's most wanted list. On the devil's most wanted list. We're living, my brothers and my sisters, in an unprecedented time in the history of the church. Things are not what they used to be. Things are not what they appear to be. And I also submit to you that things are not what God intended them to be. For it appears Charles Dickens was right. For it was the author Charles Dickens in the tale of two cities that points to where an error is described in contrasting pairs. He said it is the best of times and the worst of times. He describes his time as the age of enlightenment 
but also the age of foolishness. It looks auspiciously, yet ominously like a tale of two cities. But does not the Bible say by faith, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, but he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. Yet while there is a city where streets are paved with gold called New Jerusalem, there's also a tale of a city called Babylon, the mother of harlots and abomination, a place of trembling, trying, troubling, and tribulation. It is an unprecedented time in the history of the church. Things are not what they used to be. Things are not what they appear to be. And things are not what God has purposed them to be. For somehow, someway, the church has substituted the superficial in place of the eternal. Evil is no longer evil, but we have exchanged the terminology of our testimony and have allowed Satan to deceive us with a watered-down, wishy-washy kind of worship and a half-hearted, kiss-and-make-up kind of forgiveness. Iniquity in its present age is called innocence or worse, yes, just an infirmity. Wicked is no longer considered evil. It is only a weakness, watch this, of the flesh. Devilry and demon possession is no longer something in need of casting out or prayed through, but only a deficiency in one's personality that in many times must be tolerated until a new pill come out of the laboratory. I wonder, is there anyone listening who longs for and remembers when a used car was a vehicle that someone else got tired of and traded in because there was a problem that they didn't want to fix? Now, a used car is not used anymore. It's pre-owned. Listening, saints of God, there was a time when a lie was a lie. It didn't matter whether it was white, black, or gray. It was still a lie. Now we are asked to believe that a lie is simply something that is politically incorrect. An alternative fact are merely presenting the truth in such a way that no one recognizes. Somebody ought to say amen to that. However, the word of God declares that liars shall not tarry in God's sight. And if one lives too long on the wrong side of the facts, the Holy Spirit, which is God's lie detector, without wires, will soon find you out. Is there anybody listening here who can remember when we believed that everybody made mistakes and we were told that a, a person had to be big enough to admit their mistake, smart enough to profit and learn from it, and strong enough to correct it. However, in these last days, a mistake is called an unavoidable error, where the only lesson learned is the different ways to blame the mistakes that you made, watch this, on somebody else. You see, in this unprecedented time, our problem is not separation of church and state. Our problem is the separation between between the church and sin. But such a time as this, in these last and evil days, we need to get the puppets out of the pulpits who have strings attached to, to the superficial and not the supernatural. 
We need to demand prophets who cannot be bought and have nothing to sell, willing to declare, thus saith the Lord. Say what you will and may, there's a difference, there's little difference between a person who does not believe in God and a person who says they believe and attends church but lives like a fool who says in their heart there is no God. You see, even here, right here in DFW, our biggest problem is commitment. And you don't have to be on a committee to have commitment. Come on, let's face it so we can erase it. Where the God is true and the devil is a lie, some people are sinners not because of what they do, but because of what they don't do. Not because of what they say, but because of what they don't say. They are sinners not because of what they committed, but because of what they omitted and left undone. For to fail to do good when you know better can be as bad and guilty of doing wrong. For the Bible declares he that knoweth to do good and does not, to him it is sin. And every now and then we need to be reminded that unction in the pulpit calls for action in the pews. For the devil has a hit list. And if the truth is told, and it shall be this morning, if we went down the membership road in many of our churches, a whole lot of names wouldn't be, wouldn't be on the devil's hit list. You see, the devil has a hit list that says wanted dead and not alive. And the only reason that your name is not on the list is because the devil knows you're not praying, so you don't have any power. Your worship is wishy-washy, so your holiness is more of a luxury and not a necessity. A lot of church members' names have been whited out of the devil's to-do list simply because we are not doing what God's word told us to do. Many are not on the devil's most wanted and our names are omitted from his hit list because we have yet to learn how to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and do all things. And as long as our worship and praise is not a priority, we will not be a blimp on the devil's radar simply because he does not see us as a threat, don't miss that, to his kingdom. You see, as a child, we used to sing a song called Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. You've been building your kingdom all over this land, Satan. We're going to tear your kingdom down. Singing that song and, under, and undergirding the song with worship and praise, saying continually, let the Lord be magnified. For the Lord takes a delight in the prosperity of his servants. That kind of talk gets you on the list. See, the devil really wants you dead and not alive. For it is in Christ we live, move, and have our being. In Christ, we have life more abundantly. The devil knows that as long as you are in Christ, you can run the race with patience. You can keep, you will keep asking until you receive. You will keep knocking until doors are open. You will draw closer every day to the Lord. Follow where he leads you, go where he tells you, and bloom where he plants you. That's the type of faith that puts your name on the devil's hit list. Have you ever wondered why, why your journey is much like Martin Salt, when it rains it pours? Why it seems just as soon as you get out of one storm, you hear the wind picking up, the clouds turning dark gray all over again? That's a clear indication, crystal clear indication that your name is on the devil's most wanted list. He wants you to give up on God. So he asked for permission to send you from trial to tribulation, from shortness of breath to shortness of money, in an attempt to short circuit your relationship. 
if you are a child of God, your name ought to be on the list, on the devil's list of most wanted. If not, that's a sign. He's not the least bit worried about you. If you're listening, you ought to look in the mirror and say, am I on the list? Am I on the list? That's the exact question posed to the seven sons of Sceva. Book of Acts records Paul's third missionary journey in Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 14. In Ephesus, there was a chief priest by the name of Sceva who had seven sons. These seven sons apparently were religious charlatans that pretended to be something that they were not intended to be. They went around trying to duplicate, replicate, and imitate the wonder-working miracles of Paul. For the record reveals that handkerchiefs and aprons were carried from Paul to the sick and the people were healed. Evil spirits were cast out. Seeing the success that Paul had, the seven sons of Sceva began copying what they heard and saw Paul doing, invoking, don't miss this, the name of Jesus. Herein lies their problem. They had the right words, but the wrong kind of worship. They had the right formula, but did not have the right faith and no favor. They had a loud announcement, but did not possess the authority, power, or presence of the Holy Spirit. That It was that which would have placed them on the devil's hit list the most wanted. Fact of the matter, there was nothing in them or in their words that would cause a demon to tremble or pay them the slightest heed. The copycat strategy of Sceva's sons backfired, and the church of Ephesus could readily see the difference between the power of Christ in Paul and the undeniable impotency of the seven pretenders. That's verse 13. Verse 13 illuminates their failure. They said their fake rehearsed Easter speech. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The problem faced by Sceva's son, seven sons, was that they had no power over the demon they confronted. They lacked the authority Jesus gave the 70, 70 disciples that he sent out in Luke 10, chapter 10, verse 17. They did not have the power over the demon they faced. They were not on the devil's most wanted, which seems to suggest that they were already unsaved, unchristian, and absolutely under the devil's thumb. The demon or evil spirit refused to come out and actually talked back. It said, it said, don't miss that. I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who the hell are you? The demon-possessed man jumped, leaped on them, and overpowered all seven. Gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house, naked and bleeding. They tried to use the name of Jesus as a kind of spell to cast out demons, but they did not have the right authority. There was nothing in them or their word that caused the demon to obey. Sceva's sons articulated the right name. And like many prosperity preachers, they did not have the authority because their name is not on the list. The verdict had all, has already been made. Truth of their deeds may have been suppressed and denied. Perpetrators may have been celebrated, given a slap on the wrist, but justice will one day cry out right words, but no power. God's reap what you sow principle applies to whosoever will. The wages of sin continues to be death. Finally, our text relates that the time will come when people will be able to tell a tree by the fruit it bears.
However, the text reveals that Skeva's sons were much like the politicians of our day who believed that the church edicts and constitutional regards do not apply to them. They ignore the public's demands and never considers that their chickens will one day come to roost, come home to roost. They fail to believe that one day their racism, greed, and lack of due diligence will be revealed and they will be held accountable. Note here something interesting in our text. The one on the devil's most wanted list was none other than God's begotten. For God so loved the world that he gave, sent his only son. And whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The Bible further relates that he came unto his own, but they did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons and daughters of God. His name is at the top of the devil's hit list. So the question that cries for my text should be, why would God send his son? I believe that the answer lies in the truth and the ministry of Jesus the Christ. God sent his son because he knew that if people would only listen to and believe and apply the principles of the gospel, racial strife would cease, immoral lifestyles would change, indecent behavior would be corrected, political corruption would stop, hostile attitudes would discontinue, educational systems would be stabilized, nerves of anxiety would be settled, emotional stress would no longer exist, and salvation would take a premier place in the psyche and heart of God's chosen. In closing, may I tell you who are listening, you can tell if your name is on the, or you can tell if your name is on a birth certificate, but not on the devil's most wanted. The proof is in the pudding, pudding, P-U-T-T-I-N-G. When money becomes a god, when entertainment becomes an idol, when movie stars start being worshipped, when criminals are made into heroes, sexual vice and perversion is uplifted and greed dominates the land, while sin dominates and infiltrates the soul. That means your name is not on the list. The Devil's Most Wanted reminds us that we live in a COVID pandemic that killed over 500,000 Americans. That other guy, you know him, he called it a hoax, that it will soon disappear. Much like Pharaoh, the plague won't be a reality to him until he comes to his address, takes all of his millions, imprison him like Joseph, and affects his family like he's done so many others. But those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that feels know that perilous times are not coming. They're already here. For we live in a generation where students run the school, children run homes, criminals run the prisons, political mafia and gangs run the inner cities, and the ungodly try to run the churches. The devil's most wanted list is real because babysitters have replaced parents. Computers and smartphones have replaced the use of one's brain. Feelings have replaced faith. Television and remote control have replaced the family altar and family prayer. And hard times, hard work has been replaced by get-rich schemes. The Bible teaches us to believe in the Son of God. And don't be a son of Sceva. Are you on the devil's hit list? May God bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.